Good morning. Welcome to our service. Um, I'm excited today to continue the series we've been doing on the Sermon on the Mount, and we are we have been working through, um, or at least I have been, um, Matthew, and we are getting ready to um, look at Matthew five twenty through thirty seven, and last time we ended with a couple verses that I want to read just to refresh our memories and ended also with a question. And the question was, what does living in the fulfillment of the law and the prophets look like? And so today we're going to start actually unpacking what Jesus says that looks like, um, which is what it looks like. So, That's an exciting topic. It's also a sobering topic, so um, I just encourage you to take it to heart. Um, It definitely challenged me. So starting off with Matthew 5, 17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth passes away, not a iota nor a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So first off, those verses, at least standing up here, are very sobering because they say, does and teaches. Well, like it or not, I am up here teaching. I probably like it a lot less than you do, but um, because that brings an extra level of responsibility of I have to do and teach. And I would also just say that we are all teaching with our lives. We all have people who are following us. And so I want to just transfer some of that responsibility onto each of you today. Take this to heart because you are all teachers. Um, So just a reminder of that's where we're coming from. And now we're going to be looking into the next 17 verses. And here Jesus brings practical application to you know, how this actually affects our lives. What is the fulfillment of the law look like? And before we actually get into those, um, we have about four sections we're going to be looking at today. I want to kind of just touch on a couple points that I think are important to clarify before we move forward. Um, And the first is that the law address. The things of the law have not stopped being God's commandments, but rather Jesus is addressing the root of the problem, which is our hearts, and what kind of caused or the reason behind God giving these commandments to the children of Israel. So, and then secondly, we're going to see some phrases come up or 
kind of variations of a phrase, and that is, you have heard it has been said. And it might be somewhat obvious, but that is always referring to the Old Testament. So it's not just a random saying. It is, it was said in the Old Testament. And then finally, just a concept that is good to remember is that Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom of heaven. And we believe that that kingdom of heaven is now and it is forever. So it's not a, at the time Jesus is speaking, it was, the kingdom of heaven was not in the redemptive state that it is now. So the kingdom of heaven is on earth and in heaven, and we are living in that kingdom of heaven. So again, it's not really, we're not going to cover that, but it is good to keep that in perspective as we go through these, um, these commandments. So we're going to move into the first commandment that Jesus gives us. And it starts in verse 21 and says, You have heard that it was said of those of old, You shall not murder. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled with your brother and come offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to the court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the utmost farthing. So, back to one of the questions, or one of the things that I talked about in opening. You have heard it was said of those of old times, referring to God told the children of Israel. So a question for the children, who did God tell or give the commandment, thou shall not kill? Anybody. Who did God tell that to? Moses. Good job, Micah. Um, yeah, so God came down, gave that to Moses. It was directly given to Moses. And I think it's important to just keep that in context, that this was something that God actually spoke. It wasn't, it's not a soft idea. God said, don't kill. And so this is not going away. Um, and I think it's kind of interesting how Jesus builds on kind of this series of um, commandments, is that he starts with an easy one. You shouldn't kill people. Um, none of us disagree with that. Um, we all kind of, you know, no, we don't kill people. And it's also kind of ridiculous to think that we would stop with obeying that commandment. So I think a lot of times we kind of have this idea that we have freedom in Christ and we don't have to obey the Old Testament anymore. And I think this is a really good reminder that the Old Testament, the, God's commandments are still valid. 
but we're transcending them with dealing with the root of the problem. Why are we not killing people? Well, we're not killing people because our hearts aren't full of anger and hatred. They're full of love. And as ridiculous as it seems to say, you know, oh, I love my brother, but I'm going to go out and kill him. That's ridiculous. We would never say that. And so I think the beauty of it is, as Jesus builds through this, we're going to get into some other areas that we know that it's very easy to kind of say, oh, the Old Testament doesn't apply. But um, I just want to Bring us back to this first example that, God, that Jesus gives us and um, a reminder, his commandments in the Old Testament still apply to us. Now, there are times that you know, we don't live in that Mosaic law anymore, and we're probably not going to get into that today, um, but just be aware of that. Um, and then... The final thing that I want to bring to our attention in this little segment is that Jesus gives us a glimpse of redemption. So he talks about anger and dealing with anger and how that is serious. But he also gives us this glimpse of if you're dealing with a problem, you can make reconciliation. And the example that is given here is... Um, of, you know, you have something against your brother, and then you're, you know, you go and make it right before it gets blown out of proportion. But I think that's just a glimpse of the fact that even in failure, there is an avenue for reconciliation and forgiveness. Um, And I I just, I really do, the beauty of that that's um, in here is just exciting to me. So moving to the next segment, we're going to be looking at 27 to 30. And in this segment, um, Jesus deals with lust. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin... Tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body goes into hell. And again, here we see Jesus going back to the Mosaic Law given to God, to the children of Israel. And again, we continue to be commanded to keep this commandment. It's we're not throwing it away. We're continuing to be held to that. But Jesus expects us to take it a step farther and ask us to look at our hearts. It's one of the things that I think about with as we think, start thinking about these heart issues, is that under Mosaic law, they, it was a very rigid, um, you know, if you did something, you got stoned, you know, if you broke the law, you got stoned. And so with that, there had to be grace given for kind of 
the flaw of man. Because, um, and so even within that very rigid law, there was, there was kind of a built-in buffer. And that now we've moved into a time where Jesus is looking into our heart. And because we're, we're not falling under kind of man's dominion, we're following under, falling under God's dominion, the bar gets much higher. And Jesus actually looks at our intent, our thoughts, um, and we're being judged on that. And I think that can be really sobering. And I would also say if we stop here and don't, you know, have the story of redemption, that it's a very scary kind of, oh, well, we're just raising the bar. But rather, but we do know that that's not where the story starts. Um, And so I think Jesus does, or God does know our intent. And so we we can rest in that. Um, And so, again, he's calling us to take this farther and look into the root of the problem, which is a lustful heart. And we're supposed to not be filled with those thoughts, those bad desires. And I would also say this should be taken to a lot of different levels. Um, I think each of us can apply something that we lust after to our lives and realize that um, God does not allow room for that, um, and that we want that sanctified out of our lives. And one final thing that I will say, we think about this being built on the Mosaic Law, and like many things that, um, that Jesus brings out, it's, there's little glimpses of this in the Old Testament. Proverbs 6.25 says, Do not desire her beauty in your heart and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. So again, even in Proverbs, it's acknowledging that these problems start in our heart. And rather than letting them get to the point in Mosaic Law that you are being stoned, Jesus is giving us a way to deal with the heart, and, um, but we still then, the outcome is a changed behavior. Um, And then in the last part of this, there's like another little add-on to um, to kind of, it kind of builds on each other on all of these. And so in 29 through 30, Jesus says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. And he goes on to say, um, it's better to lose an arm or hand than to be cast Um, then your whole body perish. And if you think about this, I think there's a couple things to just remind us, and that is that Jesus obviously is not saying we should chop off hands and pluck out eyes, but he is quite literally saying it is better. So it's not a figure of speech. Um, It truly is, this is that serious. And... I'm struck with the fact that we're raising the stakes here. In the Old Testament, the worst thing that could happen to you 
was death. And here Jesus is reminding us that this is so serious that it's not just death, it's eternal death. Now, again, we won't get into too much theology with, with Old Testament and New Testament and hell and all that stuff. I'm not, we're not going down that bunny trail, but I think Jesus is bringing out the seriousness and with this added, um, the New Testament, I mean, the, the new Jesus's law, it comes with a, high, with, higher, with a higher level of accountability. So moving on, and it's kind of along the same vein, but I think some different things are brought out, and I want to bring a little bit different kind of, shall we say, twist on the next two verses. It talks about divorce. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman, woman commits adultery. So, obviously, Jesus is continuing to raise the bar. But the thing that struck me with this segment was, rather than focus on the sin, Jesus is focusing on how the sin affects those around us. And in the bottom part, it talks about you know, the consequences of a man making a choice like this and the consequences it is to his wife. And it actually causes her to sin. And so I think some, the thing that just struck me is the beauty of already we see we're not focused on us. We're focused on, you know, what God wants and also how that affects those around us. And then the last part that we're going to look at, and it's probably the one that to me is the the most fun. Um, the rest of these are, I feel pretty serious, but I, this one's the one that I, I just, I really did, I really was encouraged and inspired um, when I just went through it. And that's going to be verses 33 through 36. Again, you have heard, it was said of those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for, it, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than that comes from evil. Um. So again, we come back to Jesus starts and says, hey, this is what the Old Testament says. And says, but this is what I'm going to tell you. Um, and again, we're not taking away. He's not saying start lying. No, we're still going to tell the truth. We're going to be honest. But in the Old Testament, dire consequences for swearing falsely. And but there also was wiggle room. If you didn't, you could, you could wiggle a little bit with this. And 
But now, Jesus looks at our heart. He knows what our intention is. And he's going to hold us to that. So, and a couple things that I had to think about. Um, someone told me that they enjoy it when I tell stories from work and that I need to keep doing that. And so it always seems like I have a story from work that fits into this. So I have a team of younger people who work for me. And one of the things that they often, often hear them say is they'll use these phrases like, I'm not lying to you. Or uh, when they're just trying to affirm their feelings towards something. And so we'll have customers come up and they'll say, what's your favorite ice cream? And they'll say, I'm being honest. It really is strawberry or cookies and cream. And I always tell them, you don't need to say I'm being honest. You just need to say, I love strawberry ice cream. That's a lot better sales pitch than, I'm not lying to you. It's strawberry. It feels disingenuous. And so I, I just, I always have to think about, you know, there's a side that as Christians, it's simply, we just say, strawberry is the best flavor in the case. Um, or, you know, and, and so we can take out some of that, you know, extra fluff. And, you know, a figure of speech like, in all honesty, may not be what Jesus is referring here, to here, but I think it illustrates a point that it diminishes the um, validity of what we're saying. And Jesus is saying, hey, if it's coming from your heart, it's going to be the truth. And that truth always needs to be in place, we, not just when we're under oath or just when we're in a situation that, um, you know, kind of we're locked into being honest. And another story that is a little bit more serious that I had to think about with this is I work with in the dairy industry, and I was talking to a friend who also works in the dairy industry, and in our industry, this whole grass-fed thing is a big deal. And so if, you if your milk is grass-fed, there's health benefits to that, and you can get more money for it. And so we're talking about, and, but there's a lot of, of fudging with that. So what's come about is, rather than just saying, my milk is grass-fed, there's certifications. And so somebody comes out to your farm, they certify that your cows are actually walking out to pasture, and then you get checked up on. Well, there's this farm that, we, that I know of, and they've always said their milk is grass-fed. And so I was talking to this friend of mine, and, but here's the caveat. Well, corn is a grass, and so we feed our cows corn even in the wintertime, and so they're grass-fed. Well, this is all farms feed corn, and so it's a real kind of wiggle room, and they're telling their customers one thing and then, you know, doing another, but, you know, kind of fudging a little bit. Well, that's worked out well for all these years, but my friend who sells dairy equipment 
was telling me that now they're getting certified and they're trying to figure out, now that they're getting certified, how to actually get their cows on the pasture. Because now they're going to have to be honest about it because they're having to sign papers. Well, as Christians, God is telling, or Jesus is telling us, we don't play those dishonest games. And that's where the rubber meets the road. We're not trying to figure out how do we work around the truth until we're in a spot where we know that if we sign the dotted line, then we can't be truthful anymore, or we won't be truthful anymore. We're starting out being honest and people of integrity the whole way through, and there's no need for swearing, and furthermore, to the point that we don't do it at all so that we don't fall into that trap. So I do think that that is a trap that we as Christians fall into. It's not just when we go to the court, we affirm. No, Jesus does want us to look at the heart of this issue and ask, are we people of integrity? Because that is what he's called us to be. Um, so just something to really think about with that. Let our yes be yes, our no be no. This is a way we live our lives, not a moment where if we do something, we're going to be caught. And once we fall into that, we're going to be reverting back to that Old Testament law, which we are living above. I want to pause here and bring the importance of honesty in focus of, G of Jesus commanding us and the idea that if we can't be honest to others, we probably won't be honest with ourselves. And as we try to acknowledge that this is really a heart issue, I think so much, many times we fall into the trap of we're not honest with ourselves. We're not fooling God, but, and then we don't realize that we're failing in being angry toward our brother, in lusting, in um, all these other areas. And it comes back to letting our yes be yes and our no be no. If we have that pattern, it's going to affect all of these other areas in our lives. In conclusion, what does the fulfillment of the law look like? Today we've looked at four areas that it's going to change and it's going to transcend. We are not only not murdering people, but we are not murdering people because our hearts are filled with love and not hate. We are not committing adultery, not, not only not committing adultery, but because our hearts are changed, and it is full of, of, not full of lust, but rather being sanctified. We are not divorcing our lives. Rather, wives, we, rather, we are caring for them. And we are not only being honest in special circumstances. Rather, we live a life of honesty and integrity all the time. Does this seem like a tall order? Yes, it does. But it is what Jesus calls us to do 
And the beauty is that through Jesus, we can transcend far above the law. I get the idea of someone trying to dunk a basketball, and they fall woefully short every time. And it's not even a possibility. And then, have you ever seen a springboard where they bring a springboard out of the court, and all of a sudden, the short, fat, little mascot runs up on the springboard, does a backflip, and slam dunks the ball. It's, he's doing something that physically he has no ability to do, but he not only dunks it, but does a backflip. And that is the beauty of what the blood of Christ and salvation can do for us. It can allow us to far transcend the Old Testament law. Rather, um, and through the blood of Christ, when failures rise, we know that through sanctification, we are covered. Through, through, through the mercies of blood of God, we are, those um, failures are covered and through sanctification, we continue to grow more and more like Christ. Thank you, and I'll turn the time back to Dave.